Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DestralProps.com anime and manga podcast. As always, I'm dead. Remember, today we have Birdie. Happy Rabbit Re- Resurrection Day, everybody. Yes. The zombie rabbit has come and blessed you with our dumbasses. Sorry. Yeah, it, there's a reason Easter isn't as big as Christmas. Ah. <laughs> uh. Do you watch Happy? Not yet. I have the first episode on my phone. Okay, well, the the second season, the big overarching villain plot is trying to make Easter sexy. Wait, say that again? The whole the whole like the bit the villain's big whole plan is trying to rebrand Easter to make Easter the new Christmas. Okay. Yeah, it's a big fucking thing. Happy's a weird goddamn show. Oh, really? A show about a guy who has an imaginary uh, CG unicorn friend voiced by Patton Oswalt is weird? Yes, because in season two, they have a musical episode. Of course they do. Okay, not a musical episode so much as a musical scene within an episode. Okay, so they don't go full once more with feeling? No, no, it is. It is, it is like a a former Hollywood starlet high off her ass on fucking Xanax and wine starts having like a big dance off in her fucking house with, uh, with happy. Meanwhile, Nick Sachs, our main character is out back killing dudes, but is timing it to the music. Like you can hear it and dancing along with it. Like you can hear it. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty normal. Yeah. I mean, power Rangers did that. The show's fucking great. Uh, fucking happy is a great goddamn show and caveman will probably never watch it because I tried to sell it, sell him on it. And he was like, yeah, I'm never watching that. Mm. Okay. But in the mean, but that, that's enough of that, that we were talking about fucking shit. That is anime, which actually yeah. thinking about it. Happy is kind of anime. I don't see how, but okay. That tone kind of just ridiculous shit. The, Nigh unkillability of its main character. No, it's still no, but okay. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I mean it's not it's not wrestling, but still. <sighs> so talk about anime manga stuff. So we got stuff from the new season coming out. Uh we will get to that in a little bit. Uh but first uh let's fucking talk about something that I somehow forgot until everybody reminded me of it right before we got into this. Uh, the one version, the original webcomic version of One Punch Man has updated for the first time in eons. Yep. Yep. While the, while the Yusuke Murata official, ver- like, you know, printed version is still in the middle of their fucking big old brouhaha with the Monsters Alliance. It's going to be. Yeah, about- I really kind of need that to end. Yeah, like it's they're dragging it out a lot. The the, pro- the problem with um One Punch Man action is that because we already know there's no bad ending when Saitama is involved at all. It's just sort of okay, what jokes can you wrangle out of this scenario? And they're taking this mostly seriously, so it really kind of needs to end. Yeah, it also doesn't help that the chapters are like 13, 14 pages each. Yeah. 
That doesn't help either. And are released at such a sporadic fucking schedule that it feels like we it feels like we have been in the same fucking fight between Child Emperor and that Birdman for like three years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've read web comics with more consistent uh, release schedules. Yeah, which is saying something. And so getting into and so kind of getting back into this. While it is still a significant downgrade from the Murata artwork, it is picking things up in terms of like actually moving the story forward. Like they like the the uh, chap the fucking uh, web comic has gone a decent length away from the uh, end of the of the Monster Alliance arc. Yeah, and now we are getting into the, like actual I, new shit. Yeah. Because I think it was, well, of course, I can say it was literally years ago that the one manga got to the part with uh, uh, t- uh, Tornado of Terror desperately trying to kill Saitama and failing. Yeah, just constantly like crushing them with, crushing them with gravity, just like trying to fling them off, smashing through buildings and shit. And Saitama's just hanging on. Yeah. Could you like stop destroying buildings? I gotta fix those later. Yeah. Or like Sarah's Victoria, him him through a building, yeah. And then meanwhile, like, and then meanwhile, fucking Metal Knight, yeah. And then mean, and then Metal Knight is like beginning to catch on as to what Saitama actually is. Yeah. So what? I'm trying to hope, like, I don't think the, uh, and I don't think the it's I don't know when the anime that's currently out. I don't think is going to get to that point. Oh God, no. The most, as far as I can tell, that they'll get to is they'll get through the martial arts arc and get into the fighting that comes after that. After that, I don't know. Yeah, it'll. But I'm, it'll be Gar. It'll be Garo. Garo fucking meeting hypnosis or the fuck the big turd name is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gonna be meeting him. That's gonna be the end of the season. Yeah. Which that. I love the series. Uh, okay. It's I'll get not to that super well paced. Well, I mean, a big problem with One Punch Man as a whole is that because the the plot structure arc is just based around advancing characters, there's no like ongoing plot connecting everything. It's just what character does one decide to focus on now? Which isn't terrible. No. It's got this weird like almost anthology-like story kind of focused around Saitama. Yeah, and it's just a matter of uh, which characters are you happy to follow. Like, if there's a Geno story, if there's a Fubuki story, that's why I like the bit where Tatsumaki is uh, desperately trying to kill Saitama because it's the end, essentially, of a Fubuki arc. But uh, Yeah, and with the most recent chapters, we're getting more into a King arc. Yeah, which uh, I like King when he's done right. Yeah, so for those who don't know, I guess... Uh, yeah, I guess there's a lot going on in One Punch Man. Yeah, so King is one of the one of the few S rank heroes. I think he's ranked number seven, I believe. Um, yeah, S rank seven. Yeah, and he of, is. I think there's like seventeen total. Yeah, and he is believed to be the strongest man in the world. Yeah, because he is a because yeah, he is a big motherfucker with scar over his eye, a very long because, dour face and because he looks like Kenshiro. Yeah, he looks like Kenshiro and whenever he gets into a situation, you just begin to hear this boom boom boom. And everyone's like, "Oh shit, it's the king engine powering up." Oh god, he's going to put him in a choke slam. 
Yeah. Whereas the truth of the matter is, no, that's just his heart being terrified out of his lungs. Yeah, because he is a uh, massive coward. Yeah, he's a massive coward who everyone thinks he's powerful because he's essentially just taking credit for everything Saitama has done. Essentially. Not 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 intentionally. No, just, he just he just happens to be saved by Saitama and then walks into a situation where everyone thinks he did it. Yeah. Like I think one of the things was well, like like when he got when he got those initial scratches on his eye, there was like a monster ha- like going crazy or whatever. There was a bird monster that uh and I think this was fairly early in Saitama's career. Yeah, this is back when he still had um, hair. Yeah. Uh Yeah, uh, yeah. Saito- uh, King got attacked by this bird monster. His eyes were closed, and Saitama attacked, got attacked, and stopped it. And that was back when an ant- a monster could actually hurt Saitama. Yeah, and so he's like, "Hey, cool, hey, buddy, it's cool. You're you're good. Everything's gonna be fine." And then he, then Saitama fucks off because he's Saitama. Yeah. So then everyone's like, "Holy shit! That big man who looks like Kenshiro fucking killed that monster!" Woo. And then it wasn't until much later in life when King became the S-ranked hero after, again, accidentally taking credit for all of Saitama's work. Yeah. Uh, he fucking, he, like, a, another giant bird monster crashes into his place about to kill him while Saitama is over playing video games. And yeah. And Saitama saves the day again. And he realizes, oh, shit. I am sorry. And then kind of become yeah, bros. I mean- he he realizes it at the same moment that he tells Saitama he's a coward. Yeah. That everything about him is a lie. And yeah. that kind of forms the basis of their friendship. Yeah, along with uh along with King kicking his ass at every video game ever. Yeah. Yeah, so then with this most recent arc, uh or at least about the most recent chapter, I cannot remember what happened in the previous chapter actually. Uh, yeah, I can't remember either. But in the most recent chapter, uh, King is going to, uh, bang the, at the S rank three and as well as to his brother trying to find someone to make him stronger because he wants to actually, he wants to actually begin down the road of becoming someone who can be respected for their strength. He wants to not be himself anymore, which is an effect Saitama has on a lot of people. Yeah, well, uh, I'll get to that when I talk about the anime episode, but yeah. Oh, good. Uh, well, I mean, you'll know what it's it, what the plot's covering. It's I already kind of know. Of, okay. I think I know anyway. But, but yeah, we'll get to that later. But it's just, um, like, an essential, essentially the plot of uh, most One Punch Man stories is essentially just pointing out that the social structure, the societal structure of superheroes in Saitama's world is not really all that heroic. And all these people who are treated as heroes who have these massive character flaws technically improved as people by their associations with Saitama. Yeah. And Saitama, not exactly the most heroic individual himself. No, like I mean, it's more just the fact he that has, he has most of the traits of a heroic person. It's just he's got a couple that are missing that are kind of noticeable, like lack of charisma. Uh, despite the fact that he 
save superheroes. He's kind of got a not give a shit attitude towards most things just because he's so powerful that he doesn't give a shit. Yeah, like it's a real apathy problem and kind of a compassion problem because yeah, like he cares about people, but he can't empathize with them. So he's not he's compassionate in sort of like a broad metaphysical sense. Like I know what I need to do to act like a hero, at least according to what I think, not necessarily according to what other people think. <laughs> yeah, like kind of one hence of the big. He'll get into yeah, hence why he'll get into situations where he says, um, "Yeah, I I blew up the meteor. Yeah, it caused a whole bunch of collateral damage that destroyed all huge chunks of your town. You got a problem with that? Want to fight about it?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a- like I was gonna say, the meteor is kind of the like the prime example of Saitama and all of his all of his failings as a real hero while still maintaining his status as a real hero. Yeah. One of the only few in the world, which is kind of one of the things that make this series so good of just how just these very human characters within the, within the context of fucking anime. Yes. And it really makes me curious about what the fuck blast is. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not sure because, like, you know what his general personality is and what his powers are, but all of the big three have some sort of giant character flaw, so I don't know what his is. Yeah, like, from what very, very little we've seen of him, the main thing seems to be, like, he <clears throat> is the hero. <clears throat> like, he's not. Like he, like he, like fucking inspired Fubuki, like fucking not Fubuki, uh, her sister Tatsumaki. He inspired her to go be hero and stuff, uh, and yeah. he is ostensibly the most powerful being that they are aware of, with implication that he is on Saitama level. Yeah, but yeah, uh, we well, don't know well, anything about yeah, it of, because of the issue where. Uh, Someone says that the only person who could possibly hurt me is King, implying, well, maybe Saitama could. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> but we'll get to that. Uh, and the other kind of big thing that happened with the chapter is uh, we got the next Saitama hanger on. Yep. In that speed go in that speed boy. Mm-hmm. Whose name escapes me. Yeah. Which, we'll see where that goes. Odds are it's going to be a redux of the Fabuki arc. Yeah. Like, in terms of character arcs, the two most, like, aside from Genos, who is the only one who is trying to be, like, who has just taken to the whole, I'm going to be better because I have Saitama to compare myself to as a starting point as a uh as a like just flat out positive thing the most common character arc for a lot of these characters is inferiority complex yeah and the one that it works best with is fubuki because but both because while she's kind of got some bitchy qualities you kind of grow to see understand her personality and who she is, particularly given who her sister is. Oh yeah. Like even from the beginning, there was always a bit more going on with her than just, than just, 
Oh, you're showing me. I won't admit it though, because I'm fucking too powerful. But she, she, there's always been something more going on there. And once you meet her sister, it's all begins to crack into place. Yeah, well, I mean, you meet the sister first, but even, but once you figure out their sister, it's like, oh well, yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, okay, I get it now. That box cutter yeah, makes yeah. a lot more sense now. Yeah, some of the others are. Uh, uh, I guess partially because. Uh, um, one made the decision to make us hate Tatsumaki before introducing us to Kabuki. Her arc rings much more strongly than some of the other attempts at uh, doing the inferiority complex arc. Yeah. But, but that's... But one of the characters never really had that inferiority complex arc, just kind of knew where he was, was Bang. Yeah. Like, once Bang saw what Saitama did, he's like, well, like oh, okay. Big, Bang's thing was just, he didn't really care if he was a hero or not. He just did the hero thing. But he was just sort of cynical about how the world works in general. And that's why he sticks to Saitama, at least a little bit, because he at least gets a general idea of who he is as a person. Mm-hmm. Which, Considering what the first thing Bong did once he figured out who Saitama was was trying to teach him martial arts, I'm like, oh god, like you want to make <laughs> Saitama more powerful? <laughs> uh, yeah, I that... mean, your great your greatest disciple struck Saitama in the back of the head, and all it did was annoy him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then like as we continue on, like once Garo gets fucking real. Even that still does nothing. So giving Saitama any kind of like actual technique. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah, fuck. Terrifying. <laughs> yeah, pretty much just there ain't a planet left after that. I don't think. Yeah. It, it essentially. I don't, if you remember, you remember the scene when um, he, the the closest Saitama's had to a serious fight when that like the the head alien on that giant battle cruiser came down and yeah. they fought and he he got shot. Saitama got shot into space and had to like maneuver in zero gravity so that he could kick off the moon to get back to Earth. <laughs> yep, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Like that's the closest I could think of that Saitama's ever gotten to a challenge. Well, it wasn't zero yeah. gravity because the moon has gravity. Well, he had to get to the moon first. He landed. He was punched into the moon. He woke up. Was like, oh, where am I? Oh, right. oh the moon. Okay, yeah. Well, that's yeah. not good. Yeah. Now the the, yeah, the yeah. thing was him like aiming his reentry. Yeah. If he learns, if he learns the technique, he would essentially just become. He gets shot to the moon, and he's like, oh, okay, I guess I'll stay here then. No, he gets shot to the moon and throws the moon at the guy. Just uses, just uses or, the momentum to just, like, grab the moon and hurl it back. Or or he's tired of his um, his block constantly getting destroyed by monsters, so he just starts brick by brick moving his house to the moon. <laughs> just jumping back and forth between them. Just full Superman? Yeah. Ah. <sighs> Fuck, I want to see where this goes. Yeah. Like, like they're, they're, even even with all our complaining about, like, 
them kind of redoing similar arcs and like having it having it be like not not having super direction really right now. It still is. It still has enough there that you still can grab onto. It's like okay, when's this gonna happen? And character wise, it's still not terrible. Like all the characters are, if not likable, then at least fun. Yeah. Like I can't think of any characters in One Punch Man other than the obvious douchebags that that I don't at least enjoy watching, even the if it's like a in a bad way. Yeah, like I'm not a big fan of the fucking tigers. Or the Tank Top Brothers, or whatever the fuck their name is. Yeah, but I haven't seen them in a long time. Yeah, you haven't seen them in a long time, and every time you do see them, they are immediately shit on. Yeah. Like, oh, we got like Tank Top Black were, Hole. If, oh, God, have mercy. If they were around more, that would begin to annoy me, but because they keep getting punted off the screen pretty quickly, I don't really care. Yeah. The minute, the moment I love the most is with, with, with the Tank Tops is a Tank Top Tiger. Like the S rank one, tank top master. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We're, we're like we're like the alien ship show up. It's like, all right, I'm gonna show it. The power of fucking tank tops can beat psychics any day. Grabs a rocket, throws it. He's like, hey, get out of the way. Throws the entire city. Yeah, and he's just and he's just in like fucking sitting in the gym, pumping iron relentlessly with a banner saying "fuck psychics." Ah. <sighs> Yeah, here's fucking hoping that the goddamn Murata version picks up. And also that the fucking one version will not go away for another year. Yep. I like I don't know if if one was working on something else. Like I know he finished uh Bob Psycho one hundred, but I don't know if he's planning on something else and he was just using the time away from One Punch Man because probably a lot of people were demanding he could do more One Punch Man. Like, that's got to be the weird thing. Like, he's not like Ichiro Oda who just has the one thing he does all the time. No, yeah, one's doing shit. And also, I'm pretty sure he still is like, I do this as a hobby. Yeah, probably. But now that he's got, like... Two iconic franchises under his belt. The pressure is going to be on him to come up with something else, and he might have felt a bit of writer's block after Mob Psycho. Yeah, like, like it's a weird goddamn thing that I always that I always like find in myself of like this weird dissonance of I want writers to write a good story at their own pace. At the same time, I want that fucking story, and it is like worsened to a factor of like five. Whenever I talk about fucking manga creators, because it's a similar, it's a similar thing. Like with fucking Welcome to the Ballroom, I want Welcome to the Ballroom to come back. I fucking loved that series, and I it ended and it stopped in a fucking it stopped in a goddamn tournament, and I want to see where those characters go. But at the same time, it's a mangaka taking a break for health reasons. Yeah, they could be fucking like they they could be right now in like in like fucking rehab for exhaustion or in like a fucking medically induced coma because their brain was swelling from overwork or something truly horrifying that happened to a human body. And it would make complete sense because they're a fucking mangaka. Yeah, as we as thanks to the Western gaming industry, we learn more and more about how uh, s- supposedly safe work environments are being com- 
compared to combat zones. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> yeah I, I do not object to any manga, manga writer needing to take some time off just to not burn themselves out for good. And by that, you mean die. Yeah. I just didn't want to say th- that word. <laughs> no, yeah, it's a... We need to say that word. Like, it's it's a real fucking concern. Like, hey, writers, we love your stuff. Don't literally kill yourself for it. Yeah. Tell your, pub- like- tell your fucking publisher to suck an egg and then fucking go do a bunch of... Like, smoke a bunch of weed and relax for like a month. Yeah. Or like, hey, hey you in the publishing industry in Japan... Uh, maybe provide your cash cows with better health support. Like at least in Japan, the health system is much better. It's like, it's not like the WWE who claims (laughs) to have. Oh yeah. (laughs) Like I'm not even into wrestling and I still find, uh, what's Vince McMahon? Is that his name? Yeah. I find him kind of appalling with his, did he have a stroke or does he just act like that all the time where he bounces I, like he like he's on cocaine? He just kind of acts like that. That, that. That's kind of his character. Like like, uh, like 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 with wrestling with wrestling characters, whenever you talk to wrestling, whenever you talk to a wrestler or hear them talk about what they do, it is always you take some aspect of your personality and amplify it and that's your wrestling character. With Vince though, he's never off. So it is so it is an already over the top insane man pushing something over the top. Yeah, cuz I just remember the clip that uh like I've never seen I've only seen pictures of Vince McMahon until recently. I've never actually seen him talk or do anything. And there was this clip that John Oliver showed where he he's just he's he's talking to John Cena, I think, and he's going, uh, yeah, well, be cool, bye nigga, and then he turns and walks off like someone jabbed a electric rod up his ass. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the gorilla the walk. Was, it's like, what the fuck was yeah. that? And, and, and there's Booker T and, and a lady. There's like, that, did that really happen? <laughs> yeah, yeah. D- wrestling's weird. Yeah, I'm glad I'm not into wrestling. <laughs> I'm trying to get back into wrestling. Okay. WrestleMania just happened. It was apparently a very big event. Uh, the first time in WrestleMania history that like the, that the divas, the female wrestlers highlighted were like the main event. Yeah. And yeah, I want to, I want to see that. I, I really want to see that. Yeah. Well, at the same time, uh, acknowledging that right around, right before WrestleMania came out, a, uh, somewhat fictionalized documentary about one of the original divas, uh, came out called uh, fight with my family. Yeah. Page about yeah, the how page that thing. woman is how she's basically paralyzed and trying to live off what Vince will let her have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 That's <laughs> it kind of sucks to like wrestling. Like on the one hand it is like people are like it, it, it is these, it is these fucking bigger, bigger than life personalities that, are like straight up for real grateful to be in here that, uh, that are like some fucking, some of the best ama- most amazing athletes out there right now that are being fucked over by this man who's just sitting in a corner, just jerking off to photos of fucking veins popping. Just like, Oh, vascular. Just fucking stone cold. Steve Austin sitting somewhere realizes like his fucking 
Like his like his knees are basically fiberglass. They both just they both just shatter. It's like oh, I gotta pay for I gotta pay for fucking I gotta pay for surgery for this. Where did my money go? And all of a sudden, Vince pops out. It was me, Austin. Uh. At which point, I I don't I don't think he'd ever be self aware enough to say this because he's such a douchebag. If someone would just respond to Vince saying, "Of course it was you. You write the scripts." <laughs> yeah, the, the moment I think I remember most about wrestling, like like back when I was in high school and stuff, I watched wrestling basically almost every day. Like every day I could, I just come home from school, turn on fucking SmackDown or raw, or I believe the ECW just come back at that point. And the thing, the thing that, (laughs) yeah. And so like one of the most used tropes in wrestling stories is, is like a black town car killing someone. Like 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 someone be like someone be like walking out into the, like someone be like walking around the parking lot out back holding like a briefcase with like the contract or like the championship belt or something and all of a sudden a black town car cur- like careens out of nowhere and hits them and then they just fucking drive away and it's like who's driving that car find out in six weeks and then it just never resolves. Uh, okay. Uh, the thing that I remember is like a wrestler or whatever had just like was like after a thing he like he like was walking toward the town car turns back with like a very like. <sighs> reminiscent stare off into the middle distance look reminiscing about his past gets in the car and the car explodes and then like the next show they couldn't continue the storyline because a wrestler had died or some horrible thing had happened to one of the wrestlers and so every single wrestler including Vince was like standing in the ring saying saying like it's our it's our most sincere apologies to, to inform you that this horrible thing has happened Fuck, it might have been Benoit. I guess that would be acceptable if every time ended with someone shoving Vince McMahon up their ass. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Vince. Vince did great things for that company. Fucked over everyone in it, but did great things for that company. He needs to leave. Just give fucking full control over fully to fucking Stephanie and to Triple H. And then just, I don't know, do, do that meme but, of him freaking the fuck out and falling over, but do that into a grave. Why, why would he do that, though? He's like Donald Trump on literal steroids. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe the fucking like the weight of carrying all those muscles finally got to him and he like spine collapses. Well, now if that happens, then they do a storyline where he's like fucking Baron Zemo from not Baron, not Baron Zemo, uh, Arnim Zola from fucking Captain America. Just a face on a TV screen. Got like tubes running in and out of his mouth and he's just screaming. He's just fucking screaming. We're going to have a championship match this Sunday. Yeah. Okay, Vince. I have some temperature, man. Probably gonna do everything he can to try to take over New Japan. New Japan? Yeah, that, that, it's essentially there. Like there are essentially three 
wrestling things that people are super into right now. It is WWE, New Japan, which is the Japanese professional wrestling world, and then Lucha Libre. Okay. Like, like, the, like, there's like the Del Rey Network has like this uh, as like you know regular lucha do- luchador wrestling stuff on that, and like people jokingly call wrestling anime. Luchador wrestling is basically anime. You mean besides the fact that they made a anime that was basically luchador wrestling? In the real luchador wrestling, there is one wrestler whose gimmick is he turns into a dragon. Okay. So he'd like walk off stage or whatever and like go behind the fucking curtains or whatever. You'd hear dragon noises and all of a sudden the silhouette of a dragon would fly by the ring. Okay. Yeah, I don't know, man. Wrestling's weird. So one punch, man. Yes. So moving on from there. (laughs) Followed up an anime, followed up a manga talking about an anime. Let's talk about more anime. Uh, With... So I'm assuming that you saw the One Punch Man season two anime. Yeah, I've watched most of the second episode, but I did watch the first one. Oof. Okay, then that. Yeah, that. Koro seemed to be a bit more uh, forgiving of it than a lot of people seem to be. I mean, I, I he doesn't read the manga, really. Okay. So that might be why. And I will admit the strength of the writing of these characters still shines through. And there are some action scenes that are well done, but I think actually, I think Cora actually underplayed how bad the CG was in the first episode because, um, <laughs> like, it's not just that the CG is bad, it's that the decision on the CG is baffling because have you seen it uh no okay so you know what genos looks like right oh i think i've seen pictures of this it's hard to tell how bad it is from pictures it's easier to see in motion when stuff's moving um so you know what genos looks like yeah like how like I'm not even saying just like in the anime. I mean just like in general you know what Genos looks like. Yeah, I am familiar with the model. So imagine that all of his robot parts are CG, but the rest of him, like his clothes and his head are not. Uh, uh, f- fuck. Fuck. Fucking Christ. Oh god. Why, 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 what, okay, who the, who the fuck did this? Okay, fucking JC staff? Yeah. What the actual fucking dicks, you fucking people? Like, so there are <laughs> Oh god. Yeah, so fuck. Fucking 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 fuck fuck. Just the thought of that pisses me off so much. 
I feel like I gotta. I feel like I gotta fucking watch this and do like a fucking same kind of thing. I same kind of thing I did with goddamn Magic Girl site of just refuting Core's review. <laughs> you hey, buddy, that's your that opinion. You're wrong. I mean, he doesn't listen to these things. He'll never find out. Yeah. Okay, so the director for the like, whereas the director for the previous season has kind of gone on to much better things, and he's but the, the reason they didn't get him back is because scheduling conflicts. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the other guy has at best done like second unit stuff or like animating the direction, not directing the whole thing. Okay, so yeah, just for reference, uh, the director of the first season was uh, Shingo Natsume. Yeah. Uh, who has worked on a bunch of stuff. Uh, he was the director for Akka, that uh, that series came out a little while back. Yeah, uh, which, while boring, was well-directed. <laughs> yeah, um, and also, we might find this fun, he's also the current director of Boogie Pop Phantom, the new one. Boogie Pop Phantom. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah he, he's, he's, he's doing that, he's doing that. They also uh, did direction work on a uh, Space Dandy and a bunch and a couple other series. Uh, meanwhile, yeah. our new boy is uh, Chikara Sakurai. Yeah, who has worked on such illustrious anime as Seikon no Quasar Two and um, uh, Shinjaku Ika Musume, which I think is that thing with the Squid Girl and. Uh, Taboo Tattoo. Yeah. Uh, here's an old, holes the old one. Tokyo Mew Mew. Man, that takes me back. <laughs> <laughs> and like, these weren't like overseeing directing jobs. They were all like no, key animation like or episode, like or... key animation, storyboarding, episode direction on like a single episode. Yeah. Which is probably why. This feels the way it does. Where, whereas um, the first season took what was great about the Yusuke Murata manga and elevated it or did its own thing with it with stuff that would be impossible just on the page. Um, with one or two exceptions, this mostly just feels like a, a competent storyboard director trying to storyboard Murata's manga. Which well, is okay then. It's not bad. I, I mean, it's kind. It's kind of a, a more egregious example of what we talked about last time, where I said that the Ultraman CG anime is the manga, but worse. <laughs> yeah, I actually had one of my roommates ask me if ask me if he should check that out. Oh, the Ultraman thing. Yeah. Um. I primarily did a bunch of just stuttering noises, then screamed no. Like, if you need to, like, I would just tell him to read the manga if he can. That's what I did. One, it, one, it's gorier. Two, it's less stuttery in its action scenes. Obviously. Three, uh, the lifeless paper drawings have more animation in life than the CG cutouts. Yeah. Actually, just, yeah. talk, just talk about that. Um, I I kind of disagree with like the first season of that, like, like the first season of One Punch Man. Um, like I 
for for a lot of it outside outside of like the essentially outside of the like one or two fights the entire thing felt a lot more static and flat than the manga ever did okay i do not agree with you on that but no, okay. yeah i know but just there's like the thing that kind of really comes to mind is uh the is the initial contact with a sonic okay where we're like like in in the in the uh, manga it was this like it was like this like 360 degree rotating two page spread just over, just over and over of just seeing this rotation around as fucking Sonic is just bouncing all over the place. But then you get into the anime and it is just multiple flat shots of just panning across Saitama's face. He doesn't react as things whoosh around him. Just that that all felt very flat to me. And then when we got into like the things that are like really properly animated, like I think the best animated thing in that entire season is the sparring between uh, Saitama and Genos. Yeah, that scene was great. Um, where, where, where everything else, it keeps the, like, it gets the energy right, but it doesn't quite match the level of art. Like, the, the one thing I'm fight, thinking of is, like, the fight with the underground guys. Okay, yeah, that does, like, they clearly, it's a trick that um, other expensive anime have done where to save on animation time and budget, they, like, kind of cheap out on detail to keep everything moving fluidly. Yeah. Same kind of thing happened in that, uh, in the big fight with the alien guy where, where like it, like a lot of those frames, it is, there's just like essentially no detail and blurs as things are exploding, which keeps things like fucking action going. But it, like the level of detail is one of the things I really appreciate about Murata's artwork. And so seeing it, so seeing his designs stripped of detail just kind of lo- makes it me- feels it lose something for me. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't lose as much for me because the stuff that's so well directed and like so impressively realized, even if it never matches my imagination. Yeah, I'm. I can commend the first season for that. Like, there's lots of stuff I can rewatch from the first season that I really, really like. Oh no, yeah, like it's, like same here. It, but it's a similar kind of thing with like the One Piece anime, where I like seeing certain scenes of it moving. But if I want to like get that story again, I just read it. Okay. Yeah. I, that's <laughs> not that's not me all the time. Like, I still appreciate the manga. It's just for that part of the story. I don't mind going back and watching specifically really like the, like the episode where we first meet, where Genos first meets Saitama and they do the joke bugs they suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I like like I I'm just I was, I was going to say like I was I was talking this I was beating this fucking drum from the second it was announced it was getting an anime. That anime yeah, could never I, have uh, met my expectations. Because yeah, I am that I'm, asshole. I'm not you in that in that yeah, and I'm not you in that case, so it doesn't really bother. It's, it's just it bothers me more in this case because I don't know what they were thinking. Like of all the things to save on, because the CG it's always to save on like either animation time or re- or detail or rendering time, and I don't know why they thought it would look good to just cheap out on parts of certain character designs. They probably like, saw, they probably saw Tiger and Bunny were like, hey, we can just do that. But I mean, like, okay, uh, 
Speed of Sound Sonic has metal parts on his costume, but it's not his is, whole costume. Yeah, no, he is a man in a leotard with things stapled to it. Kind of need real animation for that. Yeah. Like, Genos, one, he's a prominent character. Two, he has a really distinct design that people like to, people remember very distinctly from the first season. So, doing that here, depressingly baffling. <laughs> uh, have you seen that? Have you seen that uh, gif of the dude doing the cosplay who like has like the Genos body and it's like all moving parts with like smoke billowing out of him? No, but I can believe that considering I've seen uh, lifelike uh, renders of the Hulkbuster armor as cosplay. Oh yeah, fucking cosplayers are insane. Yeah. Anyway, uh, like. The reason I like these two episodes, this, the episodes I watched, is mainly just because it's a part of the story I'm very fond of. Because uh, the first part is, like we said earlier, uh, it's where Saitama finds out the truth about King and he and King become friends. And that's a great story beat for them going forward. The other is the introduction of Fubuki and Garo. Uh-huh. So, and I've always liked the bit where Fubuki takes her little gang to try to... Uh, Intimidate Saitama. Yeah, it's like, hey, he's coming with the ranks of B. He's coming with the B ranks. Let's fucking get him. And then just shit like, uh, he's like, I don't want a newspaper or, yo, I'm Saitama. Yeah. Sup. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. It's like, roll up. It's like, it's like, I'm Fubuki, the, the number one of B rank. Oh, that's cool. What do you want? And then every, and then all of them are just pissed. So Tama just literally slaps two, like slaps the two of them off a of thing, and Fubuki's just wait, what? Yeah, what just happened. Then she tries to grind him into powder with a psychically controlled tornado of stones, and that doesn't work. And then yeah. she bear traps him with stone, and that doesn't work. So she's, she's like, about yeah, to, box cutter. Cut. Yeah. And the only reason she doesn't get a chance to do that is that Saitama prevents her from getting blown up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and fucking Sonic. Considering how stupid it was to make the robot parts of Geno CG, I was kind of surprised how well they pulled off um, uh, Sonic's uh, speed shadows. Oh, they actually, they actually get that bit. Yeah. What what kind of bugs me is that um, from the looks of it, uh, when Saitama does his uh, hyper speed side jumps, that they kind of cheap out on that. Mm. See, that's what I mean. It's so hit and miss where some stuff is still really good, but a lot of it is not just not good, but a decided step down from where it was before. Yeah. And that's kind of the problem. Like, I'm going to watch another episode or two to see if I want to continue. Because I kind of want to just see, from the looks of it, I think the next episode, maybe Garo's going to get punched in the face by Saitama. And I just love that scene where he just wakes up in the park. like, how the fuck did I get here? <laughs> they must have passed out. Oh, well. 
<laughs> just not even registering that someone could be that strong. Yeah. So I want to I want to watch to that point, but particularly, uh, and this is the, I think all it's been pretty perfectly cast, at least the subversion. Like all the voices are really appropriate, like like Geno and Saitama and Fubuki and Tatsumaki, and that kind of, and even um, particularly, uh, I couldn't tell in the first season, but the guy they've got voicing King is really really good. I don't know if he's a stand up comic, but he kind of sounds like it because he can do the Kinshiro voice. Then he can go, oh shit, <laughs> fuck everything, fuck oh, all God. this shit, oh Jesus. Someone help me. Actually, who is doing the voice of that? Let me let me look him up. Oh, man, it's on this page. Let me go back. Again, riveting content of us just Googling shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So anything else to say about a uh, second season so far? Um, uh, the opening is... It's by the same, the opening credits are by the same people who did the banger that was the first season's opening. Uh, it's kind of in the same realm as the ser- the season itself. It's like, it do it. Okay. All right. All right. So, so yeah, looking at it, he's not a, doesn't, doesn't appear to have any like stand-up comic stuff. He seems to be just a straight voice actor. Yeah. Yeah. Hiroki Yasumoto. Based on the stuff he's worked on. Yeah, he's worked on some stuff uh, that I'm actually kind of fond of. So that doesn't uh, most a lot of side work. Not some necessarily a lot of big stuff. But I, I, I kind of want to see if he does anything. If oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right then. So yeah, this mostly yeah yeah. So it's um yeah. It's basically fine. Okay. Currently. But considering I know how you feel about the first season, but considering how much I liked the first season, that's kind of a step down for me. <laughs> okay. All right, then. So uh, let's move on to the non-One Punch Man stuff. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. So you so said you also saw some other stuff from the new season. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll get the depressing one out of the way first. Yay. Um, Depression. We never learn. Okay. I was wondering what one that would be, and then... Yeah, See? So we, yeah, so we never learn. Also called We Can't Study. Yeah. Japanese title, Bokutachiwa Benkyo Gadekinai. Okay. So... So, in terms of anime that have come out this season, I got into an argument with uh, with Cora about another series I'll talk about in a minute, which was well animated, but not necessarily in my mind as well animated in certain aspects. We're back, everybody. Sorry about that. Internet can be a bitch sometimes. Yeah. So can the weather. Yeah, that too. So we never learn. 
Right. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't have that much to say. I don't know how much of what we said before got cut off, but I'm just going to sum up. So, I'm not happy that a Shonen Jump manga that has been running in Shonen Jump for several years now gets handed off to a studio who has literally done nothing in their life and then gets handed lead animation on it. Has it been years? Uh, yeah. Fucking at least Christ. A year. It's up to a hundred something issues, so, and it's, even if it's weekly, that's at least a year, year and a half. Yeah, I feel like it only came out, like, six months ago, and I know that's wrong. Yeah, not with the number of uh, chapters it has. <laughs> Good God. But yeah, like it's the way I described it in my written review, which I will think I'll just finish up and have Cora edit and post sometime soon, is just that at its best, it looks like every other anime out there. At its worst, things goes off model. There's lots of chibi animations to save on people budget. Uh, and the characters, in an attempt to make the, they don't think the characters have enough personality on their own, so they have to make them look extra interesting by having them have rainbow colored hair to an extent that's kind of absurd. <laughs> like all the guys look mostly normal, but the chicks have pink hair, blue hair, orange hair, red hair, purple hair. <laughs> so it's just kind of distracting. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add for this. I, unlike you, I read like the first chapter. And I was like, eh, not really for me. Yeah. Well, it is for me, and thus the fact that they handed it off to complete nobodies is kind of a shame. Yeah, like, from what I did read of it, uh, it seemed like a series that you would either need, like, a surprising level of incompetence or to be, like, actively attempting to fuck it up to actually fuck it up. Yeah, I guess. Like, it's not, like, again, from what I read and from what you just told me about it, it's not super complicated or anything. It's not like it's not like anything. No, it's not. It's not it's, super flashy. It's just the characters and the situation they're in. So, so long as you, so long as that is animated, not shitty, and performed all right, then like what people like about the series is still there and will come through. It's not, and like even the artwork isn't like so fucking detailed or overly complicated that a lot would be lost in the transition animation. No, it's not. She's like a pretty e- easy series to adapt. And the fact that they managed to fuck it up. That is something yeah. special. Yeah. What's the name to this again? Arvo, I think a R V O. Okay, so just letting everyone know, if you Google search Arvo, the first thing that comes up is the Association for Research in Vision and Ophthalmology. Okay, you might have to go Arvo animation, but... Uh, Yeah, that's... That is not a great... That is no, nope. <laughs> yeah, the only other thing that they have credit working on 
is a series called Hanasaka Kizuna no Romantan. The Sprites of Floria is also called. Never heard of it. Yeah. Based on user scores on my anime list, it's currently sitting at a 5.6. <laughs> a rousing recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I'm not even saying that I think we never learn is the greatest thing in the world. I'm just saying what it does, I like, and what it does, I think it does reasonably well. Uh-huh. It's just they hand it off to complete noobs. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, all right, so what's your experience with animation? So you did work on one series, but hey, we just got this new software called Flash. Yeah. Or um, <laughs> the people that uh, – imagine if um, Madhouse from the time that Boogie Pop came out were the ones who animated uh, Pluto or uh, 20th Century Boys. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's really all I have to say about that. Just like a pretty good slice of life with a strong message about the goal of education undercut by handing it over to complete noobs. Nice. And also, uh, sorry if there's things change in energy from from the, from before the break to after the break. We're recording this the next day, and I have been awake for half an hour. Yeah. Oh well. So I am still waiting for my brain to turn on. Yeah. So last, uh, well, there's two new things I watched, but the last thing people would actually care about, um, fruits basket. Okay. I have fucking seen that name floating around forever. Well, yeah, it's a classic. It's described as shoujo, but it it's probably closer to shoujo than anything else, but it's kind of doesn't have a lot of the it kind of it has some of the tropes of the genre, but it kind of doesn't follow the formula for particularly because this started in like the mid to late 90s as a manga. Uh huh. And it was adapted previously in 2001 by Studio Dean, and then brought to the states by Funimation. There's an early uh, Laura Bailey dub, which was like, I kind of like a lot of uh, Laura Bailey's early Funimation dubs, kind of stuff like uh, Keiko Yukimura from Yu Hakusho and stuff like that. Okay. But, uh, so, but a couple things. Uh, one. Anyone who knows Studio Dean probably knows that they don't have, even at back then, and the standards of what animation looked like, the greatest reputation for animation. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know if you remember Fate Stay Night 2006. I don't know a whole lot about the Fates. Yeah. It... Like, that's the most infamous example for me of... Um, Studio Dean kind of failing at animation. And I'm trying to bring up an image, but I can talk about uh, uh, this series. So, Fruits Basket is kind of like a a fable, as it were. Because uh, the main character, Toru, uh, 
is living in a tent in the woods uh, because her, when her mother died, she moved in with her extended family who all treated her like shit. As, so, is, but, as is par for the course. So to not cause trouble and to move out of a toxic uh, home environment, she just set up a tent in the woods, which happened to be on the lands of a rich family known as the Somas. Who uh, one of them, the one of the sons of the Soma family, Yuki Soma, is uh, a classmate in her class, and also the high school hunk, who Naturally. is considered unapproachable because of a story where a girl tried to hug him and he literally slapped her down and ran away. <laughs> That's nice. So I assume he's main love boy? No. Oh. Well, okay then. <laughs> oh yeah, you did mention that this doesn't really follow the tropes of the like, genre. Like, if I had to describe his relationship with her, it's more sort of a familial brother-sister relationship where he treats her kind of like the older sister he needs to help him grow up as a person. Okay. Yeah. Uh... But the reason uh, that he slapped away that woman who hugged him before is that uh, every male, and even, well, actually, uh, not 13 individuals within the Soma family are cursed to become animals of the Chinese zodiac. If they're hugged by someone of the opposite sex. (laughs) (laughs) Good God, that is a weirdly specific curse. Yeah. And it's like, like, it's not, it's temporary, but it's annoying, obviously. <laughs> yeah, it would be a bit shitty, just like, it's like, hey, friend, come here, hug, and then just hug, and all of a sudden you're a horse. Yeah. Well, it's worse for the guy who's the dragon, because <laughs> since it's a, supposed to be a, a somewhat realistic world, despite the fable elements, the way they got around that is they turn him into a seahorse. Wait, what? In, in Japan, seahorses are known as the dragons of the sea. That's how they get around that. Oh. Okay. <laughs> like I said, it's a weird premise for anyone who's never read or watched it. <laughs> yeah, the premise is weird, but the other thing that I'm... Dragons of the sea. A, yeah. A fucking seahorse. Yeah, it's it's a Japanese myth. I, I don't want to go give you a two-hour lecture on Japanese mythology in the middle of an anime lecture. <laughs> yeah, let's save that for when you're a teacher. Yeah. Um, so, uh, in addition to... So, while Soma's, Soma is a member of the Soma family, he doesn't live in the main house for the family. He lives in, like, an associated property with uh, his, his adult cousin, Shigure, who is kind of one of my favorite characters because he's basically a troll. <laughs> Like, internet troll or a fictional troll? Internet troll. Okay. To where, uh, like, he makes fun of, uh, he, like, he is aware of all of the worst traits or, like, the flaws of every member of the Soma family, and he either likes to play it up just to see what happens or play characters off of each other 
but he also is constantly forced to be the adult because he makes all the money that allows them to maintain this house. But also until Toru shows up, basically the kitchen and the dining room were not uh, accessible from all the garbage. I think I need to see the series. Yeah, in the second episode, uh, Yuki, who has lived in this house for months, uh, after Toru cleans up, is like, wait, we had a rice cooker? <laughs> wait, we have rice? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and, and for reference, Shigure is the dog. This is they, they have a lot of fun with this in the second episode after uh, Toru has discovered their animal forms when a postman shows up with a package and she just brings uh, Yuki, Shigure, and a third character I'll get to in a second, Kyo, in their animal forms to the door saying, They're, they're animals! They're animals! And then the male's like, uh, yes, ma'am, they are animals. Uh, so you're going to sign for this? At which point the dog takes the pen and signs for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this sounds great like just straight up the sounds actually kind of amazing yeah no it's a series i really enjoy and uh i think i've mentioned this to you before but i'm fairly certain this is like a brotherhood thing like fma brotherhood where the full the first full metal alchemist series that was adapted was reasonably beloved when it came out but most people agreed once it went off from the manga's plot, it got weird. Uh-huh. Uh, in in uh, the case of Fruits Basket, they basically stopped right when the series started to get interesting. And they just never finished it. It's one of the worst examples of a read-the-manga ending to an anime ever. Ugh. Yeah, those, those are always fun. Yeah. But since then, the anime has been done for 10 years now, I think, if I recall correctly. And all of it's collected, so... And I it thought t- it was sounds a, like they, thought it was 2001. No, I don't oh, think manga. it was done. The manga, yeah. No, Sorry, the original anime. anime, yeah. The original anime did conclude in 2001, but the manga had not finished yet. Uh, yeah, the manga's been done for 13 years. Okay, that's what I thought. But, um, yeah, so it sounds like they're going to try to do the whole story, which is good. Yeah. Because I like all of this story and these characters. And uh, so the last major character, and you were asking about main love interest. Uh, so another of Soma's co- Yuki's cousins, Kyo, the cat. Because, and this is a this is a, chi- a specifically Japanese version of the myth of the Chinese Zodiac that I was not familiar with. That um, uh, the great goddess on the mountain uh, called a party for all of the animals in the kingdom. And the rat tricked the cat into knowing into going on the wrong day so the cat missed the party and thus was not allowed to be part of the Chinese zodiac. <laughs> uh, okay. And because of that cats and mice have a not only realistically but uh folktale wise uh strained relationship and that's based on then that is carried over to how Kyo conducts himself around Yuki where he keeps trying to fight him and Yuki just keeps kicking his ass. And Kyo and the the, the dynamic between Kyo and Yuki is one of the more interesting things going into the series and I'm trying not to spoil it since it sounds like you kind of want to either read it or watch it. Yeah, I'll probably end probably. up reading it. Yeah. Is that uh 
Kyo is the outcast who wants to be accepted as part of the Soma family, kind of like the myth of the cat being left out of the Zodiac, whereas Yuki kind of hates the Soma family because he feels like he's not allowed to be a real person beyond being someone cursed to become a rat. Uh-huh. So they are jealous of each other, but also hate each other, but they both like Toru for different reasons, so they tolerate each other's existence to make Toru happy. And there's, like, other characters that are fun, like, because Toru is now friends with the school hunk, uh, the bitchy girls girls at school constantly show up trying to, like, bully her. But they subvert that trope by it never working because, essentially, Toru's two best friends are a gang leader and the girl from the ring. (laughs) Okay, then. Like she, like yeah, I'm, she's not, li- I'm reading not this. literally, but the girl just keeps going. My psychic waves foretell horrible things for you, and she just keeps chasing these girls around, emitting evil auras at them. And it just rolls in, then all of a sudden, you, just, you see like the weird automatopoeia from fucking JoJo. <laughs> just oh, yeah. No, I fruits basket is a personal favorite of mine. It's widely considered a classic of all manga, and I think people are particularly Korra, are looking forward to the anime of it because it is such a classic and because they hope that it'll tell the whole story this time. Uh, the animation is, generally speaking, better quality than Studio Dean's, although it's... This is my one pet peeve, and this is what I got into an argument with Korra about. Uh, it's kind of too well-drawn in places because it doesn't match all the time. Okay. Like, uh... Like, uh, the backgrounds are so... Like, yeah, you've probably noticed this sometimes when you watch anime, that they put, like, textures over the backgrounds to make it look more interesting so that... But also so that they don't have to draw it so that it's essentially just a wall paint, a wallpaper, essentially, to the scene. Yeah, it's essentially... We drew this... Like, I I think I pointed that out in something in uh, My Hair Academia... Where it just we drew this building and then we went into then we went to fucking Photoshop and got this grunge brush and just put texture on it. Yeah. Well, they kind of do that with a lot of the scenes at this at the Soma houses, and to a certain extent, it it looks it doesn't look bad. It's just that it doesn't necessarily interact well with the character. It's it's a problem that all animation suffers from, where you can tell what stuff is actually going to interact with the moving characters based on how it's drawn. Yeah. It's just more, it's just more noticeable here. Yeah. So, um, studio doing this just based on what I looked up, uh, TMS entertainment. Yeah. Which I'm primarily familiar with them from Yomushi pedal. Yeah. But still a better studio than. Yeah. Definitely. Oh yeah. Speaking of which, I almost forgot to send you the image that kind of summed up why people don't like Studio Dean's. Um, come on. I know, great content, but like, I know Dead Man loves to react to bad CG, and this. <laughs> this is some of the worst. <laughs> Oh, on. good. Yes, you're gonna you're gonna fucking torture me with this. Oh, Jesus. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
What the actual shit? It's like a fucking dragon made of ground beef. Yeah. Good God. Fucking Beast Wars look better than this. Or vampires. <laughs> you piece of shit. Introduce me to that fucking concept. <laughs> hey, it's my nightmare. I get to share it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I think you should at least... I kind of want to hear your reaction as you're reading Fruits Basket. Because it should be pretty easy to find now. So I'm curious what you'll think of it. Yeah, and uh, so... Actually, so you mentioned that you had a disagreement with Cora about this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So Cora, he reviewed the first episode of the new series, um, giving it five to five. Would you yeah. agree with that? No. Okay. Like, it's still high. Like, I would probably give it a three point five or four out of five. But I'm I'm running into this problem of. Uh, It looks good, but it doesn't look distinct. <laughs> like, um, okay, so little backstory: uh, the artist, the writer artist for uh, Fruits Basket, when she when she agreed to adapt to let her series be adapted again, a condition that she put out there was that she did not want her art style copied by the animation. Okay. And so, as a result of that, while a lot of it still kind of looks like Fruits Basket, some of the charm of the of the art style is kind of lost. And because of that, while it looks really good, it looks like a high-end anime from this era, it, it feels like it's lost some of the distinctive flavor that really made me like Fruits Basket. Okay, so it's well done, it's just generic well done. Kind of, yeah. Okay. Was there any reason she gave as to why she didn't want the anime copying her style? Um, possibly just because of the, like, I think even during the production of, I think it's probably related to the Studio Dean adaptation, because the Studio Dean adaptation did try to copy the art style, and as a result, I think apparently, even during the production, she had a lot of beef with how it was being adapted, so, uh. I think she was just like, fuck it, it's my art, leave it alone. If you want to adapt the story, that's fine. Just do something else with it. That's a weird thing for an adaptation. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm not entirely sure it was the right, wrong decision, but I'm not going to tell a creator you're wrong for wanting to do what you want with your art. <laughs> it's like, oh, you have an opinion about how you want your shit treated? Fuck you. Yeah, and I mean, she's working with on the screenplay. I, I'm kind of worried... What I hope this doesn't become is it doesn't become like a Stephen King adaptation. Because some of the time when Stephen King felt like the only way to do this story right in the new version is if I adapt it myself. <laughs> uh, yeah. That doesn't always work out well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Oh, yeah, I know. Fucking. Pet Cemetery, Maximum Overdrive. That croquet mallet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, his version of The Shining. <laughs> four and a half hours for a crappy version of the Kubrick ending <laughs> yeah but yeah um, kind of want to watch that thing in full 
Don't take any NyQuil. <laughs> but anyway, I highly recommend Fruits Basket, the manga. The anime, I if you want to see how you react to the story and the characters just without reading the manga, sure. It's a perfectly good version for that. I don't necessarily think it's the greatest thing ever like Korra does, but that's the debate he and I have been having. But okay. We are we are not in disagreement that the series deserves to be read. Yeah, you're just in disagreement of how good this adaptation is. Yes. Okay then. Is there anything okay. else? Uh, yeah, one last thing that I don't really have that much to say about because it falls into a genre that I just don't care about. Uh, um, occult civil civil servant, midnight occult civil servants. Okay. That's so, a yeah, name. Uh, yeah. So uh, I don't I don't know how it works in Canada, but we, we don't really have like you know like public service government offices that people go to to ask for like neighborhood assistance or like problems that the police or like emergency services don't handle. But that's kind of a thing in Japan. And in this case, uh, our main character, um, Arata, is a new recruit to a civil service office that exclusively caters to the supernatural population of Tokyo. I mean, if, I don't know. I don't know. Red jokes. I'm, I'm tired. Shut up. Fuck off, yeah, that's people. fine. I mean, there's not... Okay, so yeah, our main character is a new recruit. Uh, he meets the crazy one who creates all of the tools and gadgets that they use to interact to either suppress or control the supernatural population to avoid them affecting the human population. Uh, my first thought was, well, that's a guy's voice, but you look like a girl. And then they made a joke about that when apparently the superior to both of them in the office uses that guy's picture as proof to women he has sex with once and then abandons by saying, oh, this is my girlfriend. Which he does not appreciate. Yeah, I imagine not. Yeah. Uh, so they're called into uh, this big park in the middle of Tokyo called the Imperial Gardens, where uh, there's an argument going on between crow people and angels. Yeah. It's a, bit, it's a bit of a step. Yeah. Just like fucking. And what I mean, what I mean by that is like, so like fucking Tengu or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's, that's fine. Like supernatural creatures. Tengu. Yeah. And then like literal angels or just people with wings. No, pretty sure literal angels. They've all got the halos, the, the white flowing dresses, the, ha- the, the wings. Okay. Again, yeah. So that is a bit of a degree change. Yeah, I know. Bird people and confirmation of God? Basically, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, like any. Like angels. Strictly by the dictionary definition of supernatural, I guess angels are supernatural beings. Yeah. It kind of transcend that a bit. I know. But, I mean, you do understand that, particularly in J- Japanese mythology, 
Christian stuff is just another mythological system. No, it's yeah, not I know. Like this the is the overriding universal mythological system. Yeah, this, so this is like from near a hundred percent. Like my, like my, whatever for this is like near a hundred percent because I'm Canadian, like Western fucking culture. Yeah, but it's still like the idea of like, oh hey, a Kappa is having a dispute over his fucking land with Ganesha. Sure. That, that's still a bit of a fucking. Those guys are in different pay grades. Sure. Like, oh, this chud is getting into a fucking fist fight with Beelzebub. Have you ever watched The Prophecy? I don't think so. Yeah, it's where uh, Christopher Walken plays an evil angel Gabriel. Oh, yeah, fuck, I have seen that. Yeah. I kind of want to just for the sheer weirdness of the concept. Yeah, fuck, I... Yeah, I kind of remember that. Like, he's like he's coming down here to fucking, like... Kill... or Do, so, do something. He's doing something weird. So, something to bring about the Antichrist, I think, or something to that effect. But anyway... Um, yeah, look, looking for, like, the true name of God to say it backwards so he can fucking kill the world in all reality? Yeah. But anyway, it's... It, so it's determined that the reason that they're fighting is because one of the angels is fucking the prince of the crow people. <laughs> yeah. Man, with all that time fucking, how is it going to work for Ivan Ooze? Because the crow people. Yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> The situation is ultimately resolved when they okay. The anime doesn't really make this clear, but apparently, to a certain extent, uh, different supernatural beings can kind of understand each other, but not completely. So it's like they speak different languages, and humans might be able to see supernatural beings, but they usually can't understand what they're saying at all. Uh huh. But our main character Arata can. And he's not clear on why that is, but his ability to communicate between all the humans and the various races makes him suddenly very valuable to this civil service office that's trying to maintain the peace. Yeah, being able to talk to people is probably an important skill for a civil servant. Yeah, but um, beyond that, it's just okay. So the reason I said uh. This kind of thing doesn't really appeal to me. I'm getting some strong Yowie vibes. <laughs> okay, this, so this is some real Fujoshi bait. Yeah, like there have been no female human characters in the first two episodes. And I mean, a main character is such a pretty person. Yeah, and the ending credits keep cutting to our main character in spiritualist robes uh, looking longingly at a pretty boy floating through the air looking down at him longingly. I'm like, okay. Yeah, yeah fuck that. <laughs> Someone has that as their fucking wallpaper on their phone. They're masturbating to it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not a bad concept for a story. It's just the kind of story that I don't go in for. So I'm kind of like, eh, whatever. <laughs> it's not bad. It's just... 
Like, I've, I've accidentally wandered into this before. Like, there was a sci-fi anime from a few years ago called Number Six that was about a series of uh, protected domes protecting the last of humanity from a blighted landscape. And one of our main characters who lives in one of these domes meets someone who lives out in the blighted apocalypse and they later meet up again after they've both grown up. And I'm like, oh, this is an in- kind of interesting sci-fi story and how all this technology works. And it's like, oh, wait, this is Shonen and I. <laughs> I was like, oh. Yeah. So this is a de- oh, this is actually a pretty decent premise. Like, things are interesting. And oh, wait, fuck. God damn it. Yeah, and I'm not saying that because it's Shonen Eye it's bad. I'm just saying that because it's Shonen Eye, there are certain ways that the story thus has to be told that I'm not necessarily on board for. Uh-huh. And it's kind of the same with this. So, like, yeah, this isn't really a bad premise. It's just not a premise I'm interested in pursuing, really. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, it's kind of like how I like Rumiko Takahashi as a creator for manga, but ever since Inuyasha, all of her series since have just been derivations on the basic concept of Inuyasha. So I'm like, yeah, no, no, I'll, I'll just stick to my um, to my Rama one halves. Thank you very much. Like, here's a weird thought. You know, uh, Naoki Urasawa. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, totally. Did you know his his first manga was a slice of life about a female judo expert who's trying to master a beef stroganoff recipe? I'd heard of it. <laughs> so how do you think he? So how do you think uh, he incorporated a cult into that story? Stroganoff cult. Yeah, just they're protecting the recipe. Like her, her, her attempts to master it mean having to fight all the members of the Stroganoff cult to get the secret ingredients to the recipe. No, not even fight. It's like she, it's like she once had the recipe and then she once like tasted it. It's like oh, I must master this. And then she went to go try to track down the chef. Turns out he's a fucking. Turns out he's just a ghost and disappears into the fucking wind. No one believes he exists. So she begins this fucking insane deep dive into this dude's past, which then leads her into the cult where he's like fucking Jesus. <laughs> But yeah, so, so yeah, I mean, I don't think a cult, I mean, based on what I've said, I don't, do you think based on what I've said that Midnight Occult Civil Servant sounds like a bad series? Not bad, just not your thing. Yeah, not my thing. That's probably the best way to put it. Kind of not my thing either. I'm not, I'm not super into the yaoi shit. But yeah, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm done. Now I'm just imagining, like, I'm, remember that scene in 20th Century Boys where friend fucking took a bullet for the Pope? Yes. I'm now just in my head rewriting that entire scene where instead of the guy going up in the tower to fucking shoot friend to make him a martyr, he instead just brings him a fucking Tupperware container full of beef stroganoff. He gives it to the Pope and Pope's like, yeah, okay, world's his. Like everyone's just like, well, yeah, the foot does the fucking finger thing. Speaking of which, I'm quite glad that uh, 20th Century Boys is now getting the monster treatment and getting these giant collected omnibuses for reading purposes. Bullshit, I gotta rebuy those. <laughs> I was already making my way down there. I got fucking five volumes of it, and I gotta rebuy those. I gotta rebuy the new shit. 
Yeah, I'm current. I'm I'm working on finishing my uh, monster collection first. I'm about a little less than halfway. I have the first one. I have one through four. You fucker. And, <laughs> and my birthday is coming up, and my friends are asking for easy birthday gift ideas. Because each volume's like twenty American dollars. So yes, yeah, so you just scream monster and then run away, and you're like. Yeah, okay, like two people managed to get you the right thing, the one guy gets you monster trucks on Blu-ray. If anyone did that, it'd be Cora, at which point I would respond. I, I have the appropriate joke response, the, the appropriate retaliation for that response. Oh. So. <laughs> Cross Bill of Beans, he doesn't listen to this, he won't find out. Let's see, I have a short list. Uh, <laughs> It's not a. It's not necessary for this podcast, and we need to get going. And you're barely awake. Yeah. So, uh, anything else then, or no? I'm done. Alrighty, I got two things. Okay. First up, so say no taiga. I've heard of this. I have not read it. Yeah. Also, just forewarning, both of these are series that I read a a couple of chapters of, and then gave up on because they just didn't have anything for me. Yeah. Well, that happens to me too. Yeah, so with Taiga, uh, we got main character. He is modern-day guy with no idea what he wants to do. He is a fucking... He is the he is the bog-standard, about-to-graduate-from-college kid of, all right, yeah, so I went through college, did all this, sh- did all this shit. What the fuck am I going to do with my life? Just broke up with a girlfriend on a trip with his class for reasons. I think he's like doing history or something. But yes, they go into this cave and as they get in, as they go into the cave, they find a cave painting. One that as far as they were as far as they know is undiscovered and undocumented. So they're just like, "Holy shit, this is awesome." At which point the cave ring collapses and they get stuck. Luckily, there's another way out. And as they walk out of it, uh they end up in uh the past. Specifically, the past uh, with the past where um, the Cro-Magnons were getting uh, fucking... The Cro-Magnons and the Neanderthals were fucking going at it. Like th- those, those are the two different people, right? It's been a while since I've done any kind of thing. Wait, say, I, I, I feel like I missed a detail. Say that again. So they went to a cave, cave collapsed, found a way out of the cave, and they were, and then they found themselves in the past. Where it where it was like, where it was like Neanderthal, where like at the time when Neanderthals and like modern day humans were around at the same time and killing each other. Yeah. Okay. So according to what from what I remember of the prehistoric record, there is a kind of brief period in Cro-Magnon history where it kind of crossed over with Homo sapiens before Cro-Magnons kind of died out. So that is technically possible as a past event to fall into. Yeah, and okay, so I I misremembered my terms and said Cro-Magnons and Neanderthals were fighting each other, which I guess that's not the thing that would happen. Not kind of, I don't know. It's I dropped out of college fucking five years ago. But anyway, yeah, and so it's just, it essentially turns into a survivalist story of these kids, like these college kids in 
prehistoric Japan, I guess. Okay. Where Living in the land of the lost. <laughs> yeah, where there are modern day humans and where there are well close to modern day humans as the as the past can be. Versus sure. Neanderthals. But then also fucking fucking woolly mammoths and giant fucking tigers and shit. Okay. Uh and the story started out with the story actually started out with uh, our main guy uh essentially having a dream where he was in a like in like a fucking caveman hunting party. And he was just like he was like running out there he's like oh I feel alive. And so that seemed to be the direction of the story where this kid who, where this guy who didn't know what he was doing with his life, gets thrown into insane situation and then realizes, oh, this is what I was meant to be doing all along, being a fucking caveman. Which I just, it's an idea for a story that I can understand the logic behind it a bit, and that I also fundamentally disagree with. Like there, like there are all kinds of fucking people who like look out in the world are dissatisfied with it. It's like, man, if I was born in a different era, yeah, fuck those people. They're idiots. The past is fucking garbage. Like if you go to any point in the past, like at any point in like the past beyond like fucking the fucking I don't know the sixties. It's probably a good chance that you'll just end up fucking dying from some kind of horrible disease, if not your own stupidity. This idea that like fucking like oh if oh like if this guy returned to a simpler time where people just murdered and they fucking went out and hunted goddamn mammoth with spears in order to make fucking boots. That motherfucker's gonna die. Like, yeah, he'll feel alive for a hot second and then get a fucking mammoth trunk in the sternum and bleed to death internally while shitting out his own organs. This is probably just a personal thing. The past is trash. Okay. No one should live in the past. Yeah. And so that kind of immediately pushed me out of the series. Okay, sure. And then going in and actually reading it, there's not really a whole lot there. Like, even when they fucking come across Neanderthals and see them and see them and the fucking humans brutally murdering each other, they're like the fucking giant mammoths running around and shit. There's fucking tigers and weird badger things that just want to fucking kill them. There never feels like there's any actual tension in what's happening. But like I've only read like the first like six chapters before I dropped off. But nothing ever felt like an actual threat. Nothing ever felt like there was like their lives were on the line. And they don't act like their lives are on the line either. They're just like, it's like, oh, so yeah, we're in this weird situation. And then like one of the girls starts crying, but it feels so fucking false because literally the next scene, she's fine. So it's like, okay, oh God, we're stuck in the past. Everything's horrible. Next scene. Hey, I found some fucking berries. Yeah, this sounds like a failure of characterization in proper plot structure. <laughs> because, well, on the one hand, I don't want 
survival stories to turn into fucking Dark Souls, where literally everything's trying to kill you all the time, and you never get a break, because at that point you can't develop your characters. At the same time, you have to keep the tension up a little bit, or else people just get bored. Yeah, like, we poo-poo on Cage of Eden a lot. Yeah. Mostly for stupid story. Yes. Not, not, not story structure. It's actual, it's story structure is actually pretty good. It's just the actual ideas in the story suck. Yeah, like we like we wouldn't have finished it if it wasn't like paced well. Like it act like it fucking it moves. It's just moving through dog shit. Yeah. With this, there's not even any real movement. Both from the characters and from the actual story, because I'm pretty sure they come out of the cave and then don't go more than three hundred yards from the cave. Okay. Yeah, so we get no exploration of the world. We get no survivalism shit. It's just, hey, there's a forest around us. Oh, hey, look, people. Oh, those are dead people. Yeah, that's yeah, so particularly with, interesting. <laughs> and yeah, so with a premise that I, with a, with a core idea behind it that I just cannot agree with, as well as a story structure that is just so stationary I can't really I couldn't I could not get anything to grab onto then we went from there to a series that I feel like I should have been able to grab onto but I just kind of couldn't uh Shimatsu no Valkyrie also called Record of Ragnarok okay so in this story Every world religion is real. All right. With the exception of, I believe, like the Judeo-Christian stuff, because there was no mention of that in the first two chapters I read. But for the most part, religions are real. The gods all exist, and every thousand years they get together to judge whether or not humanity deserves to die. So they, so the so the gods, so the gods get together to fucking just talk it out and whatever. Um, with the main guy running it being Zeus, who's like this crotchety old fucker just kind of sitting there with a big pig, just like right show humanity. Do they get fucking god or not? <laughs> At which point, every single god uh, votes to kill humanity. That is until one Valkyrie steps up and goes, hey, but wait a minute. You fucking dumbasses put in this rule that let huma- they can let humanity save themselves, so let's do this. Because that's what Ragnarok is. Ragnarok is a fighting tournament between the humans and the gods. And so this Valkyrie, through manipulating the gods by calling a bunch of pussies... <coughs> She, okay, (laughs) yeah, like she goes to invoke Ragnarok, and then they're all like, "Why the fuck would we do that?" At which point she's like, "Oh, so y'all afraid of humans?" At which point every god got pissed. No one calls me chicken, damn it! Nobody. Exactly. (laughs) So then they set. So then they set set up this fighting tournament where, uh, where like it's a I believe it's a ten round tournament where. A god will fight a human from history. 
And then if humans win more rounds, the humans get to live another thousand years. The first matchup is Thor versus Lu Bu. Okay. And that's as far as I got. And I think the main thing that kind of threw me off of it was how over-designed and very Japanese every god was. Yeah, Cause like I you believe see, that. Because, like, we see Thor. I mean, I've, I've read Fate. <laughs> yeah. You're like, we see Thor, and Thor, in, in terms of, like, base design, he is a big guy with a hammer. Sure. In terms of his actual design, he is a big guy with, like, weird lines kind of drawn over his eyes, like, fucking Pennywise. His hammer is, like, five times the size of him and looks like a fucking, looks like a part of a fucking supercomputer with a handle on it. The gods themselves, they, when when they start, like, getting really freaked the fuck out, like, when, uh, like, when, the, like, when she called Zeus a pussy. Uh, Zeus, like fucking, one of his arms grew massive and he ripped the head off of the giant pig he was staying next to. And it reminded me a bit of Kengen Ashura, a series I've talked about a bit on here. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. But it is. with Kengen Ashura, there was a distinctly different feel behind the art like this. Like, like it was a similar kind of thing of just, Oh, we got this regular guy. Then all of a sudden one body part freaks the dick out. And then it's covered in blood as his eyes are like wigging the shit out. And the similar, similar kind of thing will happen in Kengen, but in Kengen, the energy behind it and the actual, like the art is not super dissimilar uh, with the art in the, this thing being a bit scratchier. Like, with Kangan, it's a lot of very clean lines on these people, unless they are going fucking ham on the art. But it is it's a lot of very clean lines and a lot of very distinct detail on these people. Less so in this. And I don't think it's just that which is making me feel different about this. There's this different energy that this art gives off that just feels completely flat when compared to other series that look similar to this. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's always the case. I mean, if there's a certain style of storytelling that's popular, there will be a dozen imitators that just do the same thing, but not as good. Yeah, and I don't know if this is a... I, I don't know if I'd call this like a imitator of Kangan Ashura. Just that was the first thing that came to mind when I was reading it. Well, I mean, it, it doesn't have to be an official imitator, but like a certain style of storytelling. I mean, uh-huh. it's never it's it's never something as specific as like the Dark Souls clones that suck, like uh, the Surge, yeah. which came out last year, which is apparently this. I don't get PlayStation sometimes. the uh, The free games this month are nothing but shit games. No one wants. Yes, the Surge and Conan Exiles. I was like, yeah, thanks, Sony. <laughs> I love. Thanks, I hate it. Yeah, I'm not even a big, yeah, I'm not no. even the biggest fan of like the fucking Souls games, and so having, and so having a bad one of those. Yeah, like the only Souls game I kind of like, despite how much it still has the Souls effect on me, is Bloodborne. Yeah, Bloodborne's that's... great. I'm terrible at it. I kind of love it. Yeah, and I really want to try Sekiro. 
I want to, but given the fact that people have said even Souls fans are like, this might be not for you, I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. <sighs> the main thing I'm looking forward to is fucking MK11. Because I got a pre-order in on that for PlayStation, so I'll be downloading that and then fucking destroying my roommate. Yeah, I guess I should play... I haven't played MK9 or 10, and I like Injustice as a game... Maybe less as a story, because I, I realize now whenever I tell elements of the story of Injustice to other people, they just say, that sounds really stupid. Yeah, it's comics. <laughs> like, yeah, I love and comics. I'm... Comics are kind of dumb. No. Anyway. So is that all you had to say about this? Yeah, Record of Ragnarok, it's just not for me, even though I feel like it should be. I... I like the idea of the gods being so fucking petty that a fucking Valkyrie can call, can just go, hey, what's up, you chicken? And then they are just all are in fucking full hog. But, yeah, it just falls flat. Okay. Yeah, and that's all I got. All right, then. So, uh, I guess that will be doing it for this week, then. Yeah, got, got no news, fair. got nothing to talk about. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back <laughs> in two weeks' time with hopefully oh, wait, more energy. One, sorry, I forgot one last bit of news. Uh, oh? I, rest in peace, uh, mon- uh, Monkey Punch. The guy who created Lupin the Third passed away this week. Ah, okay. Yeah, so I just wanted to say that on the air because I'm a huge Lupin Third fan. Okay. Okay then. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. I I screwed up your rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Anyway, that's it for this week. Thank you all for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks' time with more of this bullshit, and hopefully, I'll be awake. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. Uh, in between now and then, though, we got regular shit coming out. Podcast will be back on a somewhat regular schedule. I'm back into recording fucking gameplay stuff. We got. More Cthulhu coming out from James. We got more Borderlands coming out from me and Caveman. Got a new near four hour long Dong and Rampa from me. Yeah, until then, I'm dead. No, I'm Birdie. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs> <laughs>